from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, welcome to Verve. Hope you're doing awesome. I'm Vince Antonucci, lead pastor of Verve. Who are you? Like, I would love for you to to make this interactive, get in the chat room, say your name, say where you're watching from, let us say hi to you. If there's ever anything we can do for you, let us know. Uh, We're here for you. In fact, you could email me. I'd love to connect with you. Uh, Vince at vivalaverve.org. Today, I want to teach you a prayer Jesus prayed, one of the, the greatest prayers you can pray and most dangerous, which is perfect for the Dangerous Prayers teaching series we're in. Uh, Today, we are also gonna tell you about some really uh, cool opportunities for you uh, to get into one of our new groups, Alpha or Rooted. And those those groups will change your life if you go through them, or to go to Mexico on a weekend mission trip where you will build a house for a homeless family. How cool is that? But I wanna start by asking you some would you rather questions. Cool? So you, you may know how this goes, but it's pretty simple. Uh, would you rather this? Would you rather that? So you think about your choices, you decide what you would rather, you can put it in the chat room or not. Here we go. Uh, first, would you rather always have an annoying song stuck in your head or always have an itch that you can't reach? Uh, Song, annoying song stuck in your head or annoying itch you can't reach. What if though, what if the annoying song was this song? All right, number two. (laughs) Would you rather watch nothing but Hallmark Christmas movies or nothing but horror movies? Rest of your life, you're just watching Hallmark Christmas or horror movies. Number three, which would you rather? Would you rather breathe like Darth Vader so the rest of your life, everywhere you go, every situation you're in, you're Darth Vader breathing, or would you rather talk like Yoda? Just me by my size, do you? Rather with you. Number four, would, would you rather always have B.O. and not know it, or always smell B.O. on everyone else? Pretty good. Number five. Would you rather always have a wedgie, you know what a wedgie is, or always have a piece of lettuce stuck in your front teeth? Maybe you ate a wedge salad, see what I did right there? And you got a piece of lettuce wedged in your teeth. Number six, would you rather be forced to sing along to or dance to every song you hear? Every time there's music, you gotta sing along out loud or you gotta just start dancing. And what if it was this song? I don't know, I don't know. Okay, one more would you rather, but this one hits different, because this is real. In fact, I I think this question is everything. Would you rather have your will for your life or God's will for your life? I'll ask that again. Would you rather have your will for your life or God's will for your life? Really, think, think about this. Do you believe that what God wants for your life is better than what you want for your life? Do you trust God that much? Today in our Dangerous Prayer series, we're going to consider that question as we look at a time when Jesus prayed a dangerous prayer. And I'm going to challenge you to pray the same dangerous prayer. But the reason this prayer is dangerous is probably not for the reason you think it's dangerous. 
Uh, Jesus prayed this prayer in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Jesus had just left the Last Supper with his disciples. Then they walk over to a place called the Mount of Olives. The Garden of Gethsemane was on the Mount of Olives. So it was kind of an olive garden. Hey. Uh, <laughs> this is a place Jesus went to often because of the endless salad and breadsticks, obviously. In Matthew chapter 26, we see him spend the entire night in prayer. Um, he knows he will be crucified the next day. Um, check it out. Starting in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So Jesus is with 11 of his 12 disciples. Judas walked out during the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus tells eight of the 11 to stay at the gate of the garden. And he takes his three closest friends into the garden with him. There are times when we, um, we see Jesus go off by himself to pray. Uh, we would see him send his disciples ahead to the next village. Uh, but here, while he prays alone... He also wants his friends nearby praying for him and with him. Do you know that there are times when you need spiritual friends nearby? Friends who are committed to praying for you? You do. Why did Jesus need them? Uh, verse 38. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus' soul is crushed with grief. He, he's so overwhelmed with sorrow, he feels like he's about to die. You know, people think Jesus' suffering began on the cross. No. Uh, some think it began when he was physically tortured before being crucified. No. His suffering begins right here in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's look at what Jesus prays. Um, verse 39. Going a little farther... He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus knows what will happen the next day. He knows that he's going to be tortured and crucified. Uh, many consider crucifixion to be the most excruciating way for a person to die. In fact, we get the word excruciating from the word crucifixion. But that's not the main thing Jesus is dreading. Much worse than what Jesus will go through physically is what he will go through spiritually. On the cross, Jesus takes on himself the sins of the world. Jesus, who had never sinned, who had never experienced a moment of separation from his father, took on everyone's sin. And for the first time, it separated him from his father. That's the worst part. And um, we can't understand how bad that really was. The idea of it crushes Jesus. And he pleads with God, Father, is there any other way? Did, did you notice two words in Jesus' prayer? If and yet. Jesus prays, if it is possible, yet not as I will. If it is possible, yet not my will, but your will be done. Jesus will wrestle between if and yet all night long. And I think that lets us know 
that it's okay to pray for God to intervene in our circumstances. God, if it's possible for this situation to change, but real surrender happens in the yet. Yet, not my will, but God, yours be done. God, this is what I'm asking for, but I will always surrender to what you know is best for me. That's where Jesus was at in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and your salvation and my salvation. Meaning, uh, you and me having our sins removed by Jesus and what he did on the cross so that we could be cleansed of our guilt and restored into a relationship with God and get to be with him in heaven forever when we die. Your salvation and my salvation was hanging in the balance of the if and the yet. Aren't you grateful? Jesus wrestled between the if and the yet and that he chose the yet, that he chose God's will, that he chose us. Because what happened that next day on the cross is surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So Jesus is in agony praying, but remember, he's got friends with him, right? And so he decides to go get some encouragement, some strength from them. It says, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Man, have you ever been at school or in a movie or a church service, maybe even right now, and you're struggling to stay awake? The disciples are trying to stay awake, but it's not working. And Jesus is a little disappointed. Uh, Jesus leaves his friends. He goes back to continue praying. Check it out. It says, he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. The first time Jesus prayed, if it is possible, take this cup from me. This time he prays, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken from me. He is resolved. He knows what God's will is. He must go to the cross. And, and again, that's agonizing. So again, he goes back to get help from his buddies and you know, get some encouragement. And again, he finds them sleeping. This is when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying, the same thing. So now for the third time, Jesus prays, if possible, take this cup from me. And for the third time, God answers, no. What happens next is Jesus returns to the disciples for the third time. They're sleeping again. And then Judas shows up with an army and Jesus is arrested. He's led away from the garden and the next day, he's crucified. And there is an important principle we learn from Jesus in the garden. 
It's what happens between the if and the yet of your situation. We learn that it's okay to pray if it's possible. If it's possible for my situation to be changed, for me not to have to go through this, that it's okay to pray, God, if it's possible. God, if it's possible, can I not have to have this tough conversation? God, if it's possible, can I not be stuck in this situation anymore? God, if it's possible, can I not have to parallel park my car? I'm just not very good at that. We can pray if it's possible, but we always need to follow that with a yet. Yet not my will be done, but your will be done. Which brings us back to our question. Would you rather have your will for your life or God's will for your life? Listen, we all want what we want, right? But, but more than what we want, we should want what God wants. We all want what we want, but being a Christian is all about wanting what God wants. And if we don't pray this prayer, we're not really following Jesus. We're not really living out Christianity. Instead, we're probably living out moralistic, therapeutic deism. Oh, what's that? that? That's what a lot of Christians are doing, not realizing that it's not true Christianity. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. Moralistic means to, to be a good person, to, to, to be nice, to, to be good. Therapeutic means to feel better about yourself and your life. Deism is a belief that there is a God who exists, but who's not regularly involved in your life. A lot of people believe that Christianity is about being a nice person, so a mostly uninvolved God will make your life better, with the end goal being happiness. That is not the gospel. That is not Christianity. Sorry, it's, it's, in fact, it's the opposite. Christianity, being a follower of Jesus, is about recognizing that you are a sinner in need of a savior. And so you completely surrender your life to the lordship and the leadership of that savior. And the end goal is his happiness, not yours. When we pray for our will to be done, we are practicing moralistic therapeutic deism. We're following ourselves into the lives that we have for us. But when we pray, God, not my will, but yours be done, we are practicing Christianity and we are following Jesus into the life that God has for us. If, um, if, you, if you hear all this and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I get it. I'm not, I guess I'm not really sure if I understand Christianity. I'm a, I'm a little confused right now. Maybe um, you need to kind of get the basics down or maybe um, you have the basics, but you realize that there's still more for you to know, to experience, well, that, that is totally fine. And can I, can I encourage you to get into one of the two groups we have starting soon, Alpha or Rooted? Alpha is a group for people who are not yet completely sure, completely committed to this whole Jesus thing, want to learn more, want to know why I should believe and what it is I'm being asked to believe. It's a great group experience. Uh, rooted is for people who do believe I am committed to following Jesus, but I know I have some growing to do. I, I need some help with some stuff. Um, they're both awesome. So wherever you're at in the spiritual spectrum, one of those is for you. And they're both like eight to 10 week uh, group experiences. You'll meet some people, you'll have some fun, and you will learn and you will grow and you, you'll finally experience the life that God has for you. And the life God has for us is better and bigger 
In fact, let's talk about that. Why should you want what God wants more than what you want? Let me give you two reasons. Uh, First, you should want what God wants more than what you want because God's will for your life is better than your will for your life. It is. Do you know that God loves you more than you love you? Yeah, it's true. God loves you more than you love you. That's why he wants to lead you into his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's what God calls his will for your life, good, pleasing, and perfect. God has a plan for your life. But because he loves you, his plan for you is better than what you want for you. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God is a good father. And so what he wants for you is better than what you want for you. And because he's a good father, sometimes he says, no. He says no because he knows better than you know. That's how it is with any good parent, right? If you have kids, you've experienced this. Your, your kids have a will for their lives. They have a, a plan for their lives. That, that plan might include cotton candy for dinner and staying up all night watching TV and not going to school tomorrow or the next day, which sounds great right now, but it's not going to lead them into a better tomorrow. So as a good parent, you say no to your kid. You you say no because you know more than your kid knows. You say no because you have a bigger picture in mind. You, You have your kid's whole life in mind. A good parent, a good father, wants the best for his kids. God is a good father, a great father, a perfect father. And what he wants for you is better than what you want for you. So God might say no, like he did to Jesus in the garden. If he says no, it's because he knows more than you, but because he has a bigger picture in mind. And that's actually the second reason. Second, you should want what God wants more than what you want, because God's will for your life is bigger than your will for your life. Why did God say no to Jesus? Well, so Jesus could offer salvation, forgiveness of sins, heaven to all of humanity. God had something bigger in mind. Why might God say no to you? Why might his will be different than yours? Because he has something bigger in mind. And you should be glad for that. I am so glad for that. There are so many times where I've had my plan and my agenda and God came in with his and I was like, if yet, and and went God's way. And I'm so glad I did because his plan is always better and bigger. God's bigger plan is what will give your life purpose and make your life exciting. But it's also what makes this a dangerous prayer. Praying, not my will, but yours be done is dangerous because you are choosing God's will for your life. And God's will is better and it is bigger, but God will lead you to dangerous places. In fact, God's will led Jesus to die for you. And Jesus died to make you dangerous. Jesus died so you would die to yourself so he could lead you to dangerous places where only dead people dare to go. Praying 
not my will, but yours be done, is a risk because you're stepping into the unknown. You don't know what God's will for you is. That's dangerous. You know, some think at its core, being a Christian means living a good life. But I would submit to you that at its core, being a Christian means living a dangerous life. Why? Because being a Christian is to live a life of faith. And faith means wanting what God wants more than what you want. Faith means walking in obedience to God into an unknown future. The Christian life is a life of trusting God in the face of uncertainty. There's a... um. There's a book of the Bible called Hebrews, and chapter 11 of Hebrews is this list. It's like, it's kind of like a hall of fame of God's heroes from the Old Testament. And and for each one, there's a short description of what made these people so special in God's eyes. And, And for each one, the thing that made them so special to God is that they wanted what God wanted more than that than what they wanted. They trusted God. Because of their trust in God, they were willing to live a life of uncertainty and danger. And that's the life God is calling you to. Or um, you think about the life of the Apostle Paul, who was one of the first Christians. He wanted God's will for his life more than he wanted his will for his life. He, he, He sought, I mean, in in an amazing way, to live at the center of God's will. Where did it lead him? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he wrote that it led him to prison. It led him to being whipped and flogged and shipwrecks. He writes, I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. (laughs) Many Christians believe that the safest place is to be at the center of God's will. Oh, we should put that on pillows and coffee mugs. The safest place in the whole world is to be at the center of God's will. Listen, the center of God's will is the safest place in the world, but it is also the most dangerous because God fears nothing and no one. And because he is with us, he will lead us into places that we would never, never dare go on our own. Really, to to live outside of God's will puts us in danger. But to live in his will makes us dangerous. When we trust God, we don't begin to live risk-free, but instead we become free to risk. We start praying, not my will, but yours be done. And that's a risk because you're stepping into the unknown. You you don't know what God's will is. You you may wonder why. Why why does God want, you know, hearing this, you might wonder, like, I, I just don't know if I get it. Like, like, why would God want us to risk? Why would God lead us into dangerous places that we wouldn't go on our own? Well, it's because God wants us to have a vital reliance on him. And he wants us to form a deep bond with him through that dependence. Man, if, if we're playing it safe, we don't really need God. We won't rely on him. And so, of course, God is going to lead us to dangerous places we wouldn't dare to go on our own. It's also because... God wants us to be people who live by faith, and faith requires risk. Maybe we could say it this way. Uh, Risk leads to fear, and our response to fear is faith. The other option, obviously, is to just live in fear, right? Risk leads to fear, and our response to fear is run, get out of here. But no, God wants us to live in faith, and so his will 
for us is often to take risks. That's why the most repeated command in the Bible is fear not. We all want to live risk-free, but God wants us to live free to risk. We need to pray this prayer Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. We need to want what God wants more than what we want, and we can, because he knows more than you know, and because his will for your life is bigger and it is better than your will for your life. You can pray this dangerous prayer because God is trustworthy. You can step into the unknown because God is there, and you can trust him. You can trust the catcher. There's a, a guy named Henry Nowen. Henry Nowen was a priest, a professor, an author. When he was in his late 60s, he went to see the Flying Rodleys. They were a trapeze troupe. And as he sat in the audience, Nowen realized that everyone in the crowd focuses on the flyer, you know, the, the person who flies through the air, and that they pay no attention to the catcher, the person who catches the flyer. But the flyer wouldn't dare take the risk without the assurance that he would be caught. Really, it's the catcher who allows the fantastic to happen, even though no one's looking at the catcher. Now and later received permission to try the trapeze himself. They put a harness on him, and the, the trapeze artist told now in this, he said, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. He must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. His job is not to flail about in anxiety. In fact, if he does, it could kill him. His job is to be still, to wait. And then this old former Harvard professor flew giggling through the air. And then he went up and did it again and again, knowing he was truly safe, allowed him to take what would have otherwise looked like huge risks. He later wrote about his experience. He said, if we are to take risks, to be free in the air, in life, we have to know there's a catcher. We have to know that when we come down from it all, we're going to be caught. We're going to be safe. The great hero is the least visible. Trust the catcher. So, would you rather have your will for your life or God's will for your life? You would rather have God's, even if it's uncertain, even if it's scary. And you can pray this dangerous prayer because you have a good father. You can trust him. Trust the catcher. Let's, uh, let's pray and put our trust in them together right now. God, would you make us people who would rather have what you want, your will, than our own? God, would you help us to know you in such a way that we are amazed by your love for us, your care for us, uh, and that we trust you, that you have a better and bigger plan for us, and so we are willing to do whatever you ask, take any risk. God, lead us wherever you want us to go. We trust you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.